Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. And let's talk about what lessons have found. Let's hang out. And let's listen to two lesbians shout. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. Hey everyone, welcome back to Let's Hang Out, the podcast that's digging through the dumpster fire of 2020 for signs of any gay silver linings. Any gays? Any gay happiness here in this fire? <laughs> gay joy to be found. We're going to find it. We're going to yes, dig we it will. out. For we you. will. <laughs> from the West Coast, I'm Lee Holmes Foster. And from the East Coast, I'm Ellie Brigida. To those of you who have been with us through this whole journey, especially this year, thank you as always for listening. And if you're a new listener, welcome. We're excited to have you here. Here's what's happening this week. This week in the Lesdom. This week in the Lesdom is a place where we can touch base each episode about things going on with the podcast or otherwise. We, of course, have our trivia nights coming up. Our next trivia will be Schitt's Creek Trivia, March 25th and March 27th. You can find those on our Facebook and Eventbrite pages. We also, for my other podcast, Sweet Bitter, are having a really exciting event. It's called Lesbos Got Talent. <laughs> it's going to be March 3rd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's completely free. It's hosted by Regis University. And we're going to have some of the best Sappho scholars. We're going to have Jade Esteban Estrada there. He is a Sappho impersonator. So he dresses, dresses up as Sappho. <laughs> he does this thing called the lesbian and gay history of the world. And he acts as a bunch of different people. So he's done like Oscar Wilde, Virginia Woolf, and Sappho. So we're going to have him come Sappho. Very, very exciting. You can find that on Sweet Bitter's Facebook as well. So hope to see some of you there. We also want to remind anyone who maybe hasn't seen on all of our social medias lately that the song, our Teenage Bounty Hunters song that we wrote called I Want More, starring your own Ellie Brigida and Devin Hale. Oh, I got higher billing? (laughs) With her buttery angel voice is available on Bandcamp. So if you just need to listen to it like endlessly over and over again for hours, you could go pick it up for as low as a dollar and that would make us super happy and also would help fund our musical the flame that we are still actively working on that's coming out this summer and you know maybe future musicals after that who knows who Who knows knows what's cooking (laughs) in the greater les universe jessica nicole has just been cast in the new punky brewster and she will be playing punky's best friend's girlfriend so punky brewster is about to get gay with jessica nicole i'm so excited there is no better news i believe no Jessica, get in touch with us. Let's do what Punky Brewster should have been gay. I'm so down for that. Also, Rose Rollins, who played Tasha in The L Word, is going to be starring in a gay women's basketball series on BET. What is in the water right now and why are they giving us so many gifts? Right? This is very much one of those if God hates the gays, why do we keep winning situations? Exactly. Exactly. With that, that's what's happening this week. Back to you, Ellie and Lee. Thanks, Ellie and Lee. And welcome, everyone, to episode 
13 of season four. It is 2020 V. I liked what you did there. <laughs> yeah, was that that work? That's good. It right? totally works. Yes. Everyone got bum. See what I did there? <laughs> I'll add the sound effects later. Okay, great. <laughs> we all know 2020 has been a shit year. However, there have been some positives, and we're going to try to go through that. And one of the big positives, I would say, is there has been a lot of queer relationships portrayed on our televisions. It's just a lot this year. Like, hard to keep up with, honestly. Even for us, like, professional queers, it's been a lot. <laughs> exactly. And I'm really happy about it. We're doing our best to watch all of it, and still half the stuff that's out we haven't even seen yet. So... <laughs> It's pretty cool. But we're trying. We're trying for all of you because we care. I know. (laughs) But it also is, it makes me happy because I remember the time when I was in college and I was looking at horrible Netflix films because there were only like four lesbian movies you could even watch. And then I was like, oh, I guess I'm done. So I feel very grateful (laughs) that we have all of this content. It is a wildly different experience to even where we were when we started this podcast and the the type and amount of of queer content that was out there and how, you know, how much more you had to dig for it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of positives, some less than positives. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. This is basically Lee and Ellie have some feelings and we're just going to throw our feelings at each other's faces for a bit. What do yeah, you think? <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I think other people are going to like hearing about this too, because people have been asking us, a lot of people have been reaching out on social media being like, hey, can you cover this TV show? Can you cover this show? Can you cover this show? Because there's so much happening. Yeah. So we decided we'd try to talk about as much of it as we could in one episode. <laughs> so here we are. And I think we're going to try to, if I correct me if I'm wrongly, we're going to try to keep it concise and we're gonna we're so good at that yeah it's like our strongest (laughs) strongest thing that we ever do is be so concise we're gonna do our best but let's talk a little bit about the queer relationships that have been depicted in some of the shows that have come out in 2020 and i know this first one so it technically started in 2019 but it did go through 2020 and lee so it's fair game it's fair game you yeah. very recently finished Generation <laughs> Q, am I correct? Are we right? I, look, it took me a while. I had to loop back around and finally watch all of it. I did finally finish recently. I'm yes, so proud I of have, you. I have watched the season and I have a lot of thoughts about it because here's what's funny. I, coming at this now, compared to the place where we were a year ago when like Generation Q was just getting released, right? And... I remember the lead up. I remember when it was announced. I remember when they started making the casting announcements. I remember, you know, the hugely prevalent discourse about the issues that had existed in the original show. And there are ways in which I still love Generation Q in the same way that I still nostalgically love the L word, even though it, it is its own little bit of a dumpster fire in a lot of ways. There's also, I just have a lot of issues with it still. And they are issues that were present in the first show. Hit um, me with that them. I think, I think they're interesting in the context of comparing it to the other stuff that's on our TVs these days, you know? Yes. That you didn't have the option to do the first time around. Like when the first L Word aired, you were not going to sit down and compare the L Word in the mix of 20 other shows or movies 
and dissect its relationships against other relationships and what they're portraying. But we're going to do that now. We're going to do it now. And that's (laughs) that's why. Because we can. So let's talk about it. What do you think? What are the issues you have with it? And what are the big... Okay. Like, where are we going to compare? Here's, I want to I hear Here's it. my big problem. My big problem is I came away from the season of Generation Q feeling like my biggest question is, is the L word a reason that queer people don't know how to have relationships? That's a huge question. Correctly. And it is. I mean, I would venture to say the L word mixed with pretty much most queer content we've ever seen is a big reason why queer people have difficult times in healthy relationships. Yes. Yes. So so talk to me about what you saw in Generation Q. <laughs> There's a lot of things. Let's start with one. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's start with one, which is the L word has never been a real show that highlights, and, and Generation Q isn't either, a show that highlights communication, Mm -hmm. right? In ways that I find problematic and that I think you, I was willing to let slide, you know, a decade ago when it was a different landscape and you were just happy that you were seeing a show chock full of queer people actually having queer sex and living unapologetic lives. And so you were like, "Eh, that's fine. Like, they're all supposed to be young and stupid and we'll just let it go, you know, or just go along for the ride. I feel like now when you can compare Generation Q and the ways that their characters learn to navigate their relationships and communicate with each other to shows like we didn't even write it down, but I know it was this year, one day at a time. Let's compare how Elena and Sid communicate with each other in their relationship to like any these high schoolers to any characters so in generation q i'm like are you talking about the poly triad are you talking about the cheating you know what are you talking about triad i actually thought came closest to being able to like communicate with each other and i am so still disappointed that they didn't because i was rooting for the thruple so hard i loved them so much and i'm never going to be over it but that's not the point <laughs> the I point do, is they yeah. they came close but they still didn't quite make it they don't listen they don't they don't say what they mean they don't know how to like communicate with each other and it's just never really touched on as a key core problem in their relationships right And I understand, like, I understand it is a show that is driven by drama. They want drama. I I mean, you have to think of the L word in Generation Q as, like, soap opera. Yes. Yes. But my goal is not to come on here and shit on Generation Q for the next hour. That's that's not what I want to do. I I just think that that the L word in general holds this place of, it is a revered show in the community still, even with with the issues that its predecessor had, you know, that I think a lot of people look to it as being like the most real depiction of lesbians and queer women and all this stuff. And that's hard for me. It's hard for me to look at that as a role model when I don't think anything in there is healthy. (laughs) Characters don't have healthy relationships. When I watched it in college, I think I felt differently than now where I'm like, you know, Schitt's Creek gave us a healthy, committed, communicating relationship 
where the drama in their relationship was usually external or if it was internal that they were able to resolve it via communicating with each other. Yes. You know, seeing these relationships from the perspective of me in my life now where I'm like, hey, I'm married in a stable relationship. And then you watch Generation Q and I'm like, where am I? In yeah, I, that's exactly. actually because I'm watching it in a different spot in my life than you. And so it actually is really interesting to look at it because, OK, obviously, right, Nat and Alice are supposed to be really like their adult relationship, I guess. Yeah. Right. And it obviously was fraught with some some shit. I wish they still stayed in the poly triad, to be honest. Oh, my God. I would have just loved I mean, if, who doesn't? If they just stayed in the poly triad and they communicated and they like move forward as this like healthy poly triad raising these kids. I mean, obviously that's not seeing yourself represented. However, but I think it would be closer even. Yeah. Because there would be like this actual relationship that feels stable. Now that you're saying that, I'm like, there was not one stable relationship in the entire show. There was not a single stable relationship. And it's not only was there a single stable relationship. The thing that I think hurt me more this time around that I had less of a hard time with in the first show is I don't even feel like these characters were good friends to each other this time around. Mm. And I didn't necessarily always feel that way, like, in the first series, you know? Not, I mean, sometimes, sure. Yes. <laughs> but not always, consistently, time and time again, just watching these characters going, why, what, who, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? Besides the fact that you don't know how to be in a relationship or communicate with the person that you're in a relationship with, like, you're not even being good friends. Like, I have a lot of issues with Finley as a character, you know? It's hard to me when you take a character who's being written to be deep down a good person. And I watched the whole show and I was like, are you, though? Yeah. Like, you had so many opportunities to just make any better decisions and just be a good supportive friend to the people that you're supposed to care about. And you just failed time and time again. True. (laughs) Why am I supposed to be rooting for you, you know? Why am I supposed to be rooting for Sophie? Why would I be rooting for Danny? Why am I rooting? Who am I supposed to be rooting for in here? (laughs) It was just It's very difficult. I think this is a good, like, spot to pivot a little bit to... An issue that I have with queer media in general pre-2020, which is, I think, an excessive emphasis on cheating. Yes. Like, excessive. And I understand, obviously, that, like, cheating, (laughs) cheating, cheating is a part of the human experience. It's obviously something that (laughs) happens. We should say it like that every time. Cheating. Cheating. It is something that happens. But I do think the more you see it in queer media it feels normalized. I mean, it happens many times where it's like cheating on the husband, cheating on the boyfriend. Now, oh, we're moving past that and and they're not cheating on their boyfriend. Oh, they're cheating on on their girlfriend (laughs) or their wife. Oh, cool. Progress, Ellie, progress. Yeah, great. Oh, that's so exciting. But yeah, I I definitely take issue with that as a consistent storyline because I do think, as you're saying, what is it teaching queer people who watch it? Yeah. And not just, I agree because cheating is something, I have a huge issue with how much it is prevalent in media in a general sense. I also, especially with the L word, there's this way that the L word did originally and does again in Generation Q, treat sexual attraction as like- Uncontrollable. 
Yes. Yeah. Like this completely. <laughs> Don't like, get me started. I, what is that? <laughs> Unavoidable. I have never seen that. That is just these characters are like physically powerless to not have sex with each other. Like all the time at their jobs at random hours of the day. And you're just like, guys, you are adults like you are at your place of employment and you somehow literally cannot keep your clothes on your body and not have sex with your best friend that you are not engaged to. Like what on what planet is that a normal thing? And it's and I think these days, again, like it is harder for me to give them the pass on that when there are so many other portrayals of relationships out there that are not as hypersexualized, problematic. Like, you're supposed to be adults, you know? I'm like, I don't know the idea that I would just like, show up at work and fuck my best friend on a couch. I'm like, <laughs> that just, just feels like, weird. The uh, Like I said, the L word, Generation Q, if you take it for what it is, which is literally upscale lesbian porn then yes like, it is it is and i you know wanna, that. I, people want to see not those like dirty sex scenes yes. like. <laughs> and it's not like i hate the sex scenes i'm here for the sex scenes it's just there's a point at which i'm also like maybe you could give me a sex scene where it's just like, hey here's someone and their wife and they want to do it yeah cool great I'm up for that, you know? It's just every time I feel like there's this way that they fetishize cheating, that they fetishize, like, the taboo, weird daytime public sexual encounters that you're just like... I mean, I feel like that's not the only thing to queer relationships, you know? And it's not like you can't do it or I I think you shouldn't do it. It's just I noticed it so much more this time around that that's all there is, you know, and and it's hard sometimes when that's everything is that. And I just want to see something else. OK, we're going to take the formula from the L word and we are going to have trans actors in it and we are going to have people of color in it. But it's still the same. Right. Like, it's the formula. same. It's the same problems. It's the yeah, same, same decisions. Formula. It's yeah. the same. Yeah, it just but it's it's different now. Like the thing is, if you're going to do the same formula that you did years and years and years ago, It's not keeping up with the times, I think, in a lot of ways. And that surprised me. You know, I think that surprised me because when you look at so many of the other shows and especially, I mean, I get to a certain extent, like we're going to compare it to a lot of things that are younger demographics. Like obviously when you watch like Teenage Bounty Hunters or you watch One Day at a Time or you watch Motherland or, you know, I mean, even The Wilds to a certain extent, which like, sure, it had its own sex scenes and stuff in it, but it's just you're not expecting your upscale porn. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's a different, like, there are network TV shows featuring, like, characters who are supposed to be high schoolers, and you're going to get, like, a slightly different take, yes. Different take on it, fine. But let's talk a little bit about some of the things that 2020 TV did right. (laughs) Because you're right, we don't want to spend the whole time talking about Generation Q. No, I don't. And Generation Q is far from the only thing that I think had problematic elements to it. You know, like, obviously, I mean, Happiest Season, we've talked we've a lot talked about, about yeah, we know. <laughs> the we reasons know. that it was problematic. I think She-Ra is like an underdog to me on the having problematic things in it, just because there's a lot that you have to, like, gloss over for Catra as a character to, like, really be rooting for them. I'm like, this is a toxic relationship I think it's here. also, like, the fact, this is, I think this is such a thing a media thing and that's why i feel like 
taking media as a guideline or like a rule book for relationships should never really be the thing because good TV is dramatic. Yes. Good relationships are not. Yes, that is true. T- are not TV drama. But there are ways in which if you want to if you want to do the enemies to lovers trope the way Shira did, there are ways in which you can redeem your character I think a little bit more <laughs> than just sort of like they're together now and you're like, "Oh, have they do we are we just gl- we're glossing we over about? everything?" We're, I mean, no? yeah. Okay. It's cool. And and even it's funny because Adora is like the least of my problems in that show. I'm like, I like how Glimmer is just like, we're besties now. It's cool that you killed my mom. And you're like, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> like, are we, that's just, that's fine. That's yeah. okay now. Okay. That's cool. Am I still a Glimmadora shipper? Maybe. Who knows? The oh point is, you know, s- still some stuff that you see that is like not the best role model maybe to put out there. And yes, I think there are a lot of things that we could talk about that were better, better relationships, or at least better portrayals of things. So let's, what do we want to start with? Because we do have... have <sighs> like- also, I'm as I'm looking at this, I'm like, better question mark? Because most of the things on here have a lot of toxic relationships. Okay, so I'm like, oh, we're going to say Motherland's better? When, like, when literally okay, yeah, there's problems. There's the problems main there ship too. is like somebody. But who- here's the thing. But Motherland, I think, is a great example of like enemies to lovers. They have their problems. Scylla certainly has her problems. But I think they're making her a more redeemable character, right? Yes. Like you giving you more information about where Scylla is coming from, why she made the decisions that she's making, how she is wrestling with the choices that she made now that she is realizing some of the, you know... Very real feelings that she has. And it's not like they are just immediately writing it off, right? Like, I think that is actually a great sort of counter example to what we were just talking about with Shira. I mean, it's not that you have to have... And we, I mean, we talked about this at the end of the last season. Like, it's not like you have to have characters who are perfect, who have no problems, who have no conflict, who have no drama. I just worry sometimes about now that we're seeing a lot more of this, a lot more types of depictions of queer characters and and especially like queer women on in our shows, what are the models that we're putting out there? You yes. know? Cause it is it's funny, it's the same way that like, do you ever go back and you watch, you know, the eighties hits, the early nineties hits, and you're just like, Wow, is this why straight people don't know how to have relationships? Like Oh yes. Because they're all horrible, right? And so I feel like now we're hitting, like, that era of queer media for ourselves. And I'm like, oh, good. Are we going to create, like, a whole generation of queers who, like, don't know how to have a relationship because they never see it? And if all you have is, like, one Schitt's Creek, they'll, you know, they'll just never... Yeah, also, what do you mean we're, like, done with that era of straight people not seeing toxic relationships (laughs) on TV? I don't, like, this is not... They were worse. They were worse. Like, the late 80s, early 90s movies, like, that era of what they considered romantic storylines was horrible. Yes. I mean, horrible. Like, it was just, like, toxic, gaslighting, like, really bad examples of what women were supposed to be looking for in a guy. Yes, let's talk about romance. Killing Eve? (laughs) (laughs) What should you look for in a woman? Just a real model to look up to. (laughs) She should kill your best friend, and then you're going to be in love with her. 
at least your boss, you know? I mean, I think that's the real takeaway here. Stop trying to stop trying to point out that everything's terrible, Ellie. That's not <laughs> No, I mean, but I actually think that's, that's like such point. such a valid point of are we in the eight like the same way that we as queer people experience puberty later, are we now experiencing like this like different type of media later? Yeah. But it's still sort of the same. They're just taking the tropes that they've done with straight relationships and throwing them on queer ones. But I don't know. It's hard. Like, even still, I'm, like, looking at this list. I'm like, okay, so, like, Umbrella Academy had a queer relationship, right? And that was also a cheating thing. Let's, let's, let me count the ways. Hey, hold on. Here, how about this? We're going to take a hot break. We're going to hear from some sponsors. We're going to come back and see if we can find any positive role models to look for in our 2020 media, okay? Got it. (laughs) Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe let's come at this from a different perspective. Let's try to... Fine. We're, we started out saying we're going to dig through for the gay silver linings. Right? You're right. You're right. So you're right. maybe what we should do is instead of picking out all the really problematic things that are just going to show up in the drama of media. You're correct. What are the things that did have interesting and positive queer media? Yeah, yes. Or at least think like the grains that you can pull out of this is something to notice and strive for. When you see yourself represented on screen. Yes. Right? So if we come at it from that perspective, what do we have? Okay, so actually, now that I'm thinking of it, let's talk about Bly Manor. Yes. Because I actually do think 
was pretty positive. They had this one conversation that I loved where they talked about love and ownership. Mm-hmm. How can you confuse love and ownership? Like they're not the same thing or whatever. You can't love someone and own them. I was like, <laughs> like they're, and obviously it's like depressing because we all know what happens, but it's almost, I want to say it's like the notebook, but I'm like, honestly, the notebook's toxic. God damn it. The notebook is toxic. It's bad. Yeah. But I don't think Bly Manor was toxic. I don't think it was either. It was actually like a really nice love story between two women who like truly really cared about each other and saw each other through some rough stuff. And made good choices. Yes. Right? And here's the other problem. (laughs) I'm just going to shit on Finley again. I'm so sorry. God damn it. You're also wearing a shirt that Finley would wear. Like, I'm looking at... Oh, my God. I really am actually, like, very... (laughs) I've got, like, a Finley look going on. But here's the problem. It's not like I hate Finley as a character. I just don't think Finley's a good friend or a good partner. And let me tell you what. Finley would not have ended up at the bottom of that lake. (laughs) No. Finley would not choose... The safety and well-being, I think, over the allure of having the relationship for longer, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing that makes that makes Danny in Bly Manor such a compelling queer character to me, is that at the end of the day, yes, I get the whole, is it a barrier gaze discussion? Fine. It's a gothic horror and who yeah. isn't dead in that series. But, but she made the right choice based on how she felt for Jamie, right? Yes, because like, she her, chose the her safety. happiness and safety yeah. mattered more than like selfishly holding on to that person and yes. maybe hurting them. And that's a beautiful choice. And it's why, I think it's why people, A, keep coming back. Like, how many times have you seen someone being like, oh, queuing up <laughs> the finale of Bly Manor for the upteenth time yep. and sobbing through it? But I think it's because there is something that we are drawn to about seeing that, about seeing somebody who loves the person that they're with that much to choose that, right? Like, it does, it just, it hits you differently than, say, fucking up your friend's engagement by having sex with them at your job, you know? It's just a little different sometimes. No, and it is. Like I said, like, They're faithful to each other through the whole thing. We don't have any cheating. Like, Mm -hmm. they live in this domestic bliss where, like, they live together and they've got a flower shop. They have a flower shop. I know. Give us that Imagine Me and You callback (laughs) any day. Oh, yeah. It is. It feels like the, the drama is all external for them because it's a gothic horror, right? Yes. The, the relationship is dramatic <laughs> because they're living the, in a haunted the house. The conflict is, but, you know, freaking ghosts everywhere, like fucking shit up. Yeah, it's fine. But like the you two have of them, cool. Everything's fine. <laughs> they're solid. Yeah. They're solid. Yeah. Just those damn ghosts. But that's um, what I want is, okay, give us some <laughs> external drama. Give us some ghosts. Just, give us more ghosts. Just throw ghosts in your show. Give us Look. some old ladies like waiting in the waiting for their love until like, they turn gray and old. Like also uh, so dramatic and gay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they're just they're cute. They communicate well. And I love them. Is that what the thing is? And we love them. And we love them. But that's a big silver lining. Another silver lining for me that I do have to, I mean, again, yes, there are problematic elements, but Teenage Bounty Hunters, The Wilds, Motherland, 
I love the shift that we're seeing in having queer teenage characters who are like so confident and self-assured many of whom are already out when the series starts like you're not watching their coming out journey it is just this is who i am and they know it and they're cool with it that is something that is a huge positive takeaway to me of like where we are at in representation these days you know it's like yes i understand like you are still gonna have your shelby storylines and i think that's fine i just it's fun to see it not be the only thing Yes. Also, can we talk about the Shelby storyline really quickly? Because I have seen some people on the Twitterverse attacking other people, basically being like, oh, you sympathize with Shelby, but not Harper. And comparing (laughs) the two. And I just feel. Oh, wow. Really? I somehow have missed all of that. I just feel like I want to talk about that and the distinction. And also the fact that I don't. I also think what Shelby did to her friend was also messed up. Yeah, was horrible. And here's so, a huge distinction for me. Shelby's 17. A child. Yes. <laughs> like, it's the one thing that I love about the Wilds is actually like when Kelsey and I watched it, what was really refreshing was to watch the show. And every single time that we would have a moment where we're like, oh, my God, why is she, like whichever character, any character, why is yeah. she doing that? They're 17. Yes. Of course they're doing that. Of course, that's how you would have thought about this problem or situation or fight or whatever. When you were 17. I do think that they actually wrote their teenagers very well. Because it, and again, it's such an easy way to allow yourself to have imperfect characters. Because let's be real, we were all slightly disasters. When we were 17, 17. yes. Like, who wasn't, you know? And this is a 17-year-old girl who lives in, in like, her father is the pastor. Yeah. He, you see a conversation with her father where he basically is like, if you are gay, like, you are not my daughter. Right. We don't, I don't even think we need to do apples to oranges. But, like, that, yes. I mean, we talk about this a lot. We are not saying no coming out stories ever. No, never. We're just saying. I would never say that. I love coming out stories. <laughs> can we have other stories in addition to? Yeah. And that's the cool thing about the Wilds is you do have Tony's character, who is out, openly gay. And who is problematic in her own ways. <laughs> yes. And who has very unhealthy relationships, obviously. Oh, God, yes. An unhealthy, like, relationship with herself and anger and all this kind of stuff. But she's a 17-year-old girl. And, like, she's figuring out, hopefully, how to... I actually read this... Oh, the wilds are so good. <laughs> I read this another tweet that was talking about how they think the common thread between all the girls on the island is that they all struggle with control in some way. Mm. And so Tony's is, like, controlling her emotions and her anger you know, Shelby is, like, fighting for control of her own sexuality. Leah's obsessive. (laughs) Yeah, like, control in, like, her relationships. Like, everyone is... And I think that's also just, like, human beings, but also 17-year-old girls who, like, feel out of control constantly. One other quick thing that I have to say real quick, if we're going to hit the Harper-Shelby, one other distinction that I would draw between them is, again... I don't think that Shelby has been set up as a character who is immediately like, and now you're redeemed and we love you and we're rooting for no. you. Like, Shelby is still a problematic character who is on a journey yes. <laughs> to being redeemed in some ways that we are not at the end of. You know, again, like our issues with Harper are not all just about Harper's actions and, and what she did in the movie. It's also the way that they resolve the conflict of Harper's actions by Glossing ignoring over them. it. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. that's a big difference to me. Okay, so while we're bringing up Happiest Season again, can I have another silver lining for me yes. that we haven't talked about yet, which is I Hate New Year's. Let's talk about I Hate New Year's real quick, because if you, if anyone hasn't watched it yet, it's Tello's holiday movie that came out this year, and I loved it so much. And here's why is... I mean, Ellie knows this about me as a person who has always deeply been the stupid lesbian who like, you know, when I came out and had a crush on my best friend and she was into some dude, what did I do? Set her up with the dude. Set her up with the dude. There is something deeply relatable about watching a movie that at its core is about like a girl who's in love with her best friend, but her best friend is like chasing her ex and she's great. Let's go all around the entire town and and I'll help you. And I'm going to help you find this girl, even though I had decided that I was going to tell you how I felt tonight. And it's cute. It's a cute story. And it's not problematic. It's not a coming out story. It's the again, the tension is there is conflict, but it is understandable conflict. It is conflict that gets resolved in a satisfying way by the end of the movie. And they end up together. And like that to me, I was like, ugh. Yes, it's like a hug. It's just like a warm hug of a movie. It really was. And I enjoyed that. And I get that sometimes you just want to watch a dumpster fire. And that's fine. Like I do too. Of course, we loved watching Generation Q, even though I have a lot of problems with it. But sometimes if you just want to watch something where you're like, hey, here's all these issues that I'm having with a lot of representation. I felt like I hate New Year's avoided pretty much all of them for me. So that was like another bright spot of success. Success. Let's talk a little bit about, because I just feel like it's unavoidable in this year. Let's talk a little bit about all of the period pieces we've been getting. (laughs) Okay, look, here's what I have to say. I feel like we have these two camps, right? We have, it's not indie, but I'm going to say we have a lot of the, the more shows, either the TV shows or the smaller indie movies, right? Like you're going to get the Hulu making Happiest season. You're going to get Tell Him Make and I Hate New Year's. Then you have your box office queer movies and not a nary a one set after 1820, right? I yes. Mean, oh, just, my God. We are, we are digging deep into the period pieces lately. And which is, again, not a bad thing. We loved many of them, but it is like a it is a noticeable pattern that feels like a choice right yes do we not exist after 1820 do like lesbians just went out of style in the late 19th century yes (laughs) i mean obviously we love portrait of a lady on fire like i don't i watched dickinson i don't know if you saw it lee i haven't yet i've seen so many clips and i mean i thought it was like i think it's great i love the show i have yet to see ammonite and it's like really high on my list and i haven't seen it yet i know it's probably a good movie But it was almost like when... But you just get tired. I was tired. Yeah, I was tired. Like, I was like, am I going to have to watch another movie where, oh, they're staring at each other on the beach and then, you know... Longing glances. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God, they're going to have sex. Maybe eventually they have sex, wearing. you don't see anything. You know what I mean? You don't see anything and it's hidden under four skirts and, like, a corset and, yeah. I mean, it's... I have heard that they have a good sex scene in it, though, so I do want to watch it, but... It's just because also the thing is with a period piece, okay, where we're like, oh, no coming out stories. With a period piece, you're never going to have, not never. It is difficult to have that period piece 
be a story about gay love and acceptance. Yeah. Because it's a period piece. And we know at that time period, that was not accepted. So you know going into it, it's going to be like secret love, blah, blah, blah. Forbidden love. Yeah. Impossible love. Yeah, we all know it going in. And we... When you're going to buy into it, yeah, you make your peace with that. You know it ahead of time. I agree. But it is just funny, like the amount, the amount of them recently, because even the favorite was the year before, I think. But still, it's just there's this trend right now where it's like big name straight actresses playing the period piece lesbian for their Oscar. And you're like, okay, I know. Also, I'm like, okay, but also take my money. But it's just, I don't know what it (laughs) is. That's always us. Well, because it's, we literally did two less centrals on these. Like, we've done it on the favorite and we did one on Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Colette. Clearly, we like them. Yeah. But it also is, I don't know why. The fourth one, no. Three, yes. Four, yeah. I'm done. (laughs) And I I think, again, like, that's why some of the disappointment with Happiest Season is we just wanted our rom-com, you know? Like, we just wanted finally, like, our modern-day rom-com, give it to me, just one. And instead, we were all subjected to this, like, just hour and a half of, like, straight trauma, which is fine. But (laughs) speaking of joy slash trauma, let's talk about the prom. (laughs) Okay, okay. Oh, God. Because, okay, God, such conflicting feelings about the prom. Who came up with the idea for this episode, Ellie? What is this nonsense? I'm so excited. It's honestly (laughs) the best. It's This is just Lee and I talking, and we put microphones in front of us for tonight, which is every Monday. We'll see you here next week. But let's talk about the prom. I cried. I was happy. But you hated it. But I also, yeah, I not like I didn't, I didn't hate it. It's hard. You know what I mean, though. You know what I mean. But it. it I didn't hate it either, but also I hated it. It did also just feel traumatic. The story itself is from 2010. And so to me, the film felt like this is high school from 2010. Yeah. But we're trying to depict it as high school now. Honestly, I hope high school now isn't like this. But I also feel like media has a responsibility to be the high school that you want high school to be. That makes sense. And I get that by the end, you're like, oh, they had the prom and now everyone's fine. But it's a similar thing to The Happiest Season where like the redemption arc came with no work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's we just I don't know. I just feel like there are a lot of films that are like designed to make straight people feel good about themselves of I'm not as bad as that person or even if I was as bad as that person then I'll be forgiven immediately because that's how it always works what it does is it makes stories not resonate with queer people because that's the only problem I had I don't I didn't hate it I I mean really I didn't what I hated is the fact that I you watch it and you're like that's cool but that's no one's life (laughs) that's no queer person's life like nothing about this resonates yeah, like as an authentic story to tell, right? Because whether you come at it from the perspective of Alyssa's story, which again, I mean, similar issues to Happiest Season, which is like when you are that afraid of your very staunchly, openly homophobic mother, they don't come around in 20 minutes, yes. you know? Like they don't show up at the prom to dance with you and sing with you and support you. That's not real. <laughs> But I think that's that's sort of what I'm talking about. It's hard because, yes, that's not real, right? But if people see that, would it become real for more people? Not the forgiveness, but the coming around. 
Do you know what I mean? I think that's the yeah, intention. Yeah, I don't know, but you can't do one and gloss over the other. Yes, you know, yes. like that's the problem is like you can't just even if you even if you try to look at it from the perspective of like maybe if more parents see this, they would be willing to change their tune faster. It still glosses over like the enduring trauma and lack of trust and like toxic situation that they have put their kids in for yes. like years and years. years and years and you can't gloss over that right because like you're not gonna have a healthy relationship with each other anymore the other thing that killed me in the prom is i just had such a hard time watching emma watch that happen right Alyssa's mom mrs green shows up and Alyssa's my mom is here and they're like so happy and they hug and then they like cut the camera over to to Emma, who was just standing there with this beaming smile on your face, and you're like, you live with your grandmother because your parents kicked you out of the house yeah. when you came out. Like, did we're just not dealing with any of that? Tra- we're just shoving that trauma down. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> I've seen. Just- oh my god, I've seen too many TikToks. Like, I feel honestly feel bad for for Joe Ellen Pelman who played Emma because number one, I like she's a phenomenal singer. Like yeah. her voice is oh like, she's amazing, a- incredible. I actually think she probably could have done a better job with the role, but clearly the direction was like, be hopeless. Yeah, smile. Be hopelessly optimistic through this entire thing. And it's that also is not realistic. It's not. It's like I understand. And it's so hard. I'll go back and forth. But because I understand, okay, if you're a person who like doesn't like to show that you're upset, you know, you sort of just put on a happy face because that's what you've always done because life has been hard. Like, I also understand that. But there was like, there's like a difference between pretending to smile to get through everything and being happy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, it was just like, yeah, look, you can be happy for your girlfriend if their parents come around and yours haven't yet. It doesn't look like that smile. (laughs) That's all we're saying. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, uh, the biggest problem with the prom obviously, is the fact that, I mean, we've, you know, we've had this conversation, you and I, without mics in front of our face already, Ellie, but it's, you know, how do you write a musical about the completely oblivious stars who can't see that the story of this lesbian is not supposed to be about them, and then write a musical about them? That is not about the lesbians. That is not about the lesbians in any way, shape, or form. It's just weird. It was, it's weird to me that somebody did that. I still just, I will never get over the fact that you have a line in your musical where one of your characters says, yeah, we read three quarters of a news article and we had to come down. And I'm convinced that they read three quarters of a news article about the original story and were like, we have to write a musical about these other people who are going to come save the lesbian and their stories and their redemption arc. And you're like, uh, okay, that's fine. Yes. That's a choice. (laughs) I, yes, I wish so so much that the musical was actually about lesbians <laughs> like it it's, sold as a musical someone... about lesbians that's like literally about Meryl Streep and Meryl was great yes and I love her but imagine if someone had written the prom like primarily told from Emma's point of view like Emma's story and then these weird Broadway actors show up and keep trying to hijack the spotlight, but like the story's clearly not about them. It's yes. about Emma. That's a wildly different musical, right? And that would center the queer story and the queer character and highlight the absurdity of these people trying to make this story about them in ways that they didn't 
do. <laughs> yeah, except you really. actually just give them the spotlight. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. just, it's a weird choice that I still strange. don't understand. So, yes. but I do, I do hope that, because I do know there are a lot of, of queer people who felt seen by the prom. And so I yeah. do want to still acknowledge well, that and- that is still valid. And I do think, I wish that the musical was just the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Because the last 20 minutes, I was like, yes, I feel seen and validated. But like everything before, I was like, wait, what? And also like we, I mean, like we've spoken to people who like have lived that story. You know, this is not a very far removed story, like you said. And so I do know that there are people who feel like they relate to the story that's being told. And that's fine and great. It's not that the story is bad mm-hmm. or wrong in some ways. It's just, you know, again, it is, I I feel like we're towing this line where it's like, there's so much more representation and we, uh, I mean, honestly love most yeah. of it. But again, if you're going to start seeing all of these storylines, like, I think it is important to look at them with a critical eye sometimes, especially when you're looking at the ones that, like, the younger generation of queer people are watching and finally seeing as role models you know because i think for a long time like queer people haven't had that we haven't had anything to look to when you look and say hey if i dream of a life and a family and a relationship someday what does that look like to me you know like you have to have something to look to as an example and so as we're starting to create more and more of these examples i do think you know, it's at least worthwhile to say, what are the takeaways here? And are there things that like, not even are they problematic and we should stop doing them, but are they problematic and we should have a couple more options in the mix of what you're showing? You know, that's all we want to say. That's what yes. we're going for. And I'm right? very happy that we have more options that we oh can. Oh my God, yes. That we can just dissect for hours and talk about all the things that we find wrong with them and then say we love them. <laughs> Because that's how we are as lesbians who consume media. Yes. We watch it. We talk about it for years. And that and we have so many strong feelings. (laughs) And that in itself is honestly a beautiful bonding experience for us as a queer community. So please keep giving us things we can tear apart because it just makes us closer, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Look, what do we love more if not processing? Exactly. This is our our jam. Is the benchmark for a good queer movie a movie that the gays never stop talking about? I mean, Happiest Season is the best movie ever made in that game. (laughs) Exactly. Groundbreaking. It was actually the best thing that happened in 2020 because... Of all the discourse happening around uh, it. We all will right? never stop talking about that movie. Correct. There's a lot of things we will never stop talking about. You know, I mean, obviously everyone knows we're never going to stop talking about Teenage Bounty Hunters. I have a suspicion we're not going to stop talking about The Wilds for a while. And we just, we have a lot of thoughts. That's all. We just need to unload our thoughts on each other and you, and listeners. You. <laughs> You're welcome for all of them. I feel like people are going to come after this for this episode because I feel like we just sounded negative about everything. We love all of these shows. We love all these movies. I know. Please, I'm so sorry. Sorry, I feel like we said, I don't know, I wasn't really sure what was going to come out of my mouth and then things just started coming out and I was like, oh, this is not a silver lining. But they are silver linings. The silver lining is that we have this much to talk about. True. 
right? That's the silver lining to me. The silver lining is there are so many things out there that I'm actually not afraid to say, hey, here's the thing I didn't love about that one thing specifically, like this piece of it, I take issue with that, you know? Because we've, I feel like we've been so hesitant to do that. And we have gone to bat for shows and depictions and characters who were just like so deeply bad and problematic in the past, you know? Because you felt like you had to because it was the only only thing thing there, right? And I feel like now, like, there's so many options that it's like, you can totally sit back and be like, hey, look at this collage of things in front of us that we had last year. And here are some of the things I liked. Here are some of the things that I, like, you know, didn't love or, like, I'd love to see something different. You know, like, Generation Q, man, I'm sorry, season two, give me something different. Yes. Like, Just one. It doesn't have to be everything. I'm not saying like all of your characters suddenly wake up tomorrow and know how to like have a healthy functional relationship. But like maybe one person grows and learns. Just Just one. one. (laughs) Just one. Just one. How is the healthiest relationship in your show? Angie. Oh my God, Angie. You're right. That was really cute and sweet. It was cute and sweet. But also it worries me because I'm like, Angie is basically existing in this world where what is Angie's role model of continuing to have a healthy relationship as she grows up, right? Like non-existent. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> non-existent. Bet Porter as the as your sole relationship role model. Can you imagine? Oh God. And to be fair, I love Bet. I would sleep with her in yes. a minute, but <laughs> but healthy relationship we would not have here's the problem i love all of them and also hate them all (laughs) sorry i'm so sorry i do love finley but also i hate finley yes (laughs) same with sophie i just hate a lot of people in the show is the problem okay it's fine it's fine (laughs) to wrap up there's a lot of queer content in 2020 we are hoping that 2021 will have even more content for us to dissect and invite guests on to talk about and just if you keep the gay content coming we will keep the podcast talking so we need this (laughs) help us help you yes (laughs) that's what we're saying okay so before we wrap up let's just do a quick let's do a quick what are your top three what were your top three positive moments of tv rep in 2020 Oh, moments? Ooh, moments. Moments is going to be tough. Favorite moments. doesn't have to be positive. Just what were your top three favorite moments of 2020 TV? Okay. Oh, this is so hard. I didn't come prepared for this. Okay, give me a second. All right, I'll start. <laughs> I'll start. Okay. The Deadbolt. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. The Teenage Bounty Hunter. The Deadbolt. Teenage Bounty Hunter. Deadbolt. I got you. That is a good one. Number one. Now you're going to steal all the best ones and I'm, I'm going to work harder. Let me try to do like medium ones. Okay. The, the poly sex scene Generation Q. Oh, I love them. Oh, shit. And Daniel and Patrick's wedding. Oh, that's such a cute one. You're welcome. Oh, you picked such good ones. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Um, Bly Manor still up for grabs. I didn't do that. Okay. One. No, I know. And I have to I have to pick a Bly Manor one. Okay. Bly Manor. I'm going to go with... Oh, God. I'm going to go with the cute domestic scenes of the two of them and the the marriage proposal with the rings where she we can't get married but we'll know like that so, yes oh just dead Ugh. okay i ha- i'm gonna pick that one as my blind manner scene that's beautiful i am going to pick i'm going to pick the shelby and tony having the conversation up on the bluffs scene and here's why <laughs> conversation 
Yes, not them having sex when they talk about it after, when they're like oh, up on yeah, the, yeah. the cliff, right? And here's why. Because despite the many problematic things about both of these characters, and they are both, you know, teenagers, it was a very healthy discussion. Like, it was a really good conversation for Shelby to come up and say, you are a passionate person who is having no emotional response to this, and I f- that makes me feel like you don't care, mm-hmm. right? I think that was a very, like, grounded way to approach that conversation, which, like, yeah. realistically is probably the least realistic thing for a 17-year-old to do in that but... case. But I liked it as an example, and I liked Tony's response of, exp- like, I just think they both explained how they felt, where they were coming from, why they were thinking or feeling the way that they were. And I liked Tony's response equally of saying, I can't, how could I be scared about something that could be good after we've literally experienced hell, right? I just think that's a great scene to me. I loved it. I love what it modeled. So I'm going to go with that as my second one. And my third one, oh, this is so hard. (laughs) I know. Okay. My third one, I'm going to go with April Stevens proudly declaring that she is a lesbian, that that God made her that way, and she is cool with it, and God is cool with it, and she knows knows this about herself, knows that she only crushes on girls and just being like totally confident in it because that I think was huge. And I think was something that you just don't see. I can't think of what a time where I've seen that specific situation depicted that way. So they're okay. Those are my three. Oh, that was so hard. (laughs) Good choices. I love how Teenage Bounty Hunters is on both of ours. I know, right? (laughs) I can't let you take it just for yourself. Right. You're right. Share the love. All right. I think it's time. Okay, let's do this. Q and gay. Q. Q. And gay. Okay, let's do this, Ellie. Question one. Who do you think and or hope Sophie was running to in the airport? A, Danny, or B, Finley? <sighs> I gotta be honest. I think I know Don't you do hate, it to me. Don't I do it to me. I know you hate Finley. <laughs> I don't hope it's Finley, but I you think, think it's it is. Finley. I'm gonna say, actually, I agree. I think it's Finley and I think it shouldn't be. Yeah. I'm not like, yes, I really want it to be Finley, but I just feel like that's what the season was leading us up to believing. So I like would be surprised if it was Danny. Also, I would feel, I mean, I feel horrible. I'm like, let me answer this question in 30 minutes. I feel horrible for Danny (laughs) either way. Whole second episode on this question. Even if Sophie did run to Danny, I don't want them to get married because we know what happened with her and Finley. So... I would feel horrible, actually, if she was running to Danny because Danny has, still has no clue what happened. And I don't think yeah. Sophie would come clean. I agree. I agree. So, it's a problematic situation. There's no good answer. Yeah, it's rough. All right. Question number two. What tends to be your biggest issue in relationships? A, healthy communication. B, cheating. C, dating toxic people. Or D, being in the 1800s. I mean, you know, with how our political situation's going, D is a valid <laughs> option sometimes. But no, I'm going to say healthy communication. And I mean, even in a healthy, committed, functioning relationship, like we are still constantly learning how to communicate and communicate well with each other. Like communication is a constant. It's hard, yeah. It has to be something that you're intentionally focused on constantly in order to make a relationship work. So I'm going to say A. Good choice. Good choice. Question three. What was your favorite 2020 TV moment? Oh, you're going to have to pick just one, Ellie. Okay. Out of A, April Stevens saying I'm a lesbian. B, Patrick and Daniel's wedding. C, the Damey proposal in Bly Manor. Or D, the Generation Q threesome. You know what I'm going to pick? 
threesome. I mean, look. It was the best sex I, scene I've ever seen on TV. I don't think I am ever going to get over the thruple. I'll be honest. Er. Maybe that's why I'm so salty at Generation Q right now. I'm not over it. Yeah, I really thought, I wish that was the healthy relationship we saw. I, the thing is, it was such a missed opportunity to have the only functional relationship in your show be a relationship that took a twist that is not conventional. That is not conventional. And I here's the thing. Again, I mean, we talk a lot about representation. There is not enough poly representation, I think, to tell the story the way that they told it, which I know we like didn't even get into in the whole discussion, but I just think it needs to be said. It felt a little lazy to me, and I felt like they yep. tossed it under the bus, and I was really disappointed in it. So Yep. They said it. Just up for to get us. it out off my chest, I have to say it. I wanted more. I agree. All right. Question number four. What's your favorite TV relationship trope? A, enemies to lovers. B, friends to lovers. C, cheating to lovers. Or D, love at first sight. Oh, it's so hard because honestly, like I can go for all of them as long as they're done well. Which one is my favorite if it's done well? I mean, I do love a good enemies to lovers if it's... If I knew like you really were going to go enemies well. to lovers. Know, right? You were trying to fight it. against your instincts and you just go with what you know. <laughs> I do it. I'm very picky about it, though. If it's very the right picky. kind. If enemies the, to lovers, it's, April mm, Stevens just, version. I love it. I yeah. do. I'm such a sucker. Okay, let's do this. Ellie, question five. Who is your most problematic character of 2020? <laughs> Out of A, Finley, B, Catra, C, Harper or D. Scylla? That's such a messed up question. <laughs> it's just... I feel like... The we a- had to do it. Okay, I feel like the answer is obvious, but also I feel like people are going to come for me again. But it's still Harper. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and the thing is, Scylla and Katra have both killed people. And I still, I don't know what it is that's so bad. You're like, there's murder, and then there's Jane's painting, okay? (laughs) Exactly, that's so horrible. Have you killed someone, or did you refuse to take the short chair? Because really, what's worse? worse. (laughs) That's so bad. Oh my god, I feel like I need to retake my answer, but I still can't. Yeah, sorry, Harper. It's it's fine. There's no wrong answers in the Q and Gays, Ellie. I'm you know so that. Sorry. Damn it. Wow, those questions were intense. I can't that wait was, for was, all of you to answer. Oh my god. <laughs> on our Twitter at Les Hangout Pod this Wednesday. It's going to be a wild ride. Buckle up. Let me hear you say hip 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 hip. We're gay. We love hearing from all of you. We love continuing to build this community. So we just like to shout out some of our favorite things every episode. And this week, we have a couple shout outs, starting with our listener, Jacinta, who emailed about a movie that we had not heard about. It's called Same But Different. So we are going to be looking into that because it got a great review. And thank you so much. Please always send us new things like this because this is how we need to hear about it. So we're super excited to check it out. I'm so excited. We also, I don't know how many times we can thank the Teenage Bounty Hunters fandom, but we will thank you till the end of time. (laughs) We want to thank the Teenage Bounty Hunters fandom for being so supportive of our episode with Maddie Phillips and our I Want More single. You're all the best. We love you. Lots and lots. We love you, Hales Hoes. (laughs) You have our heart. Yes, Hales Hoes. 
And finally, we also want to shout out someone who reached out to us on our Instagram, Teresita. A, because it was just a cute message, and also because it reminds me that a lot of times when people reach out to us and they're looking for other media things that they can watch, other ideas, other shows, other movies, that we also tend to always point people towards a great resource. And so it's reminding me that I should tell everybody about it, which is leswatchtv.com. A, it's run by really, really great people, and we love both of them, but also it's just an awesome resource. So you can go on. It has a enormous catalog of so many shows and movies that have any sort of queer rep. It will tell you what kind of tropes it has in it, maybe a little overview. Does it have a happy ending? Is it a barrier gaze? Like those kinds of things. So it's really great to know a little bit more about what you're getting into or what kinds of things you want to watch and find more of them. So leswatchtv.com. Definitely check it out. It's very important to know. (laughs) And as always, we want to thank our Lesbian Jesus patrons, Mark Foster, Jess Klaus, Tanya Ferguson, Danny Griswold, Jacqueline Rose Nishino, Sarah and Julia, Carrie Ann Lawrence, Danny Gunlock Tamora, Brittany Ray, Alana Rosen, Tara Gleason, and Lizette Stye. And our King Princess patrons, Amy and Ellen, Leah Hendley, Liz Chen, Wendy K. Bartlett, and Evelyn Smith. Thank you all so much. We always appreciate your support and hanging out with all of you. Remember, you can also find us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Les Hangout Pod. You can email us at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. Or you can check out our website at leshangoutpod.com. Whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, make sure that you subscribe. That way you'll get new episodes as soon as they go up. We also have some videos up on our YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe at youtube.com slash to catch them. And also remember, you can already subscribe to our feed for The Flame on any podcasting app. That way you'll be ready for new episodes as soon as they start dropping in June. If you want to support the podcast, you can rate and review us. You can rate and review The Flame as well, which would be very helpful. So we have some five-star reviews up there before we get started. You can write an honest review on what you think of the trailer because, you know, it's pretty great. You can also rate and review Les Hangout. It helps other people find the podcast and know what to expect. If you want to check out our merch, we have all of our designs up. You can get them on tees, on totes, on mugs, on masks, on sweatshirts, on all sorts of good stuff. You can find all of them on our Tee Public, and you can get that at bit at bit.ly slash shop. If you want to support us financially, you also could join our Patreon at bit.ly slash lespatreon. Our Discord chat has been out of control lately as we had so many new patrons join in the past few weeks to hang out with us from the Teenage Bounty Hunters fandom. We see you all. If you want to join us, you can join us at bit.ly slash lespatreon. If you want to follow us individually, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LSHFoster. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Ellie Brigida. With that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And And let's let's hang hang out out again again soon. soon. Let's hang.